Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just uh, so thankful. We're so thankful for all that you provide for us, for this church family, for this conference, the way you work in our lives and other people's lives around us. We ask you to work through us and through this church in an amazing way, Lord. I ask you just to continue to draw us towards you and inspire us to just show up. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we head out fishing, we head out of Morrow Bay about, um, oh, I guess I got to turn this thing on. Huh? <laughs> we head out of Morrow Bay about uh, 30 to 60 miles. And you can see right here in the corner, there's the bay. And then um, all along, like right as you come out of the bay, it's basically like a desert. There's just flat sand, no structure. So you really need to get far out there to get to where the fish are at. And you can see all the contours. It's very low uh, visibility of what actually is down there. We don't have really good mapping of the bottom. But you can see all the canyons and mountains and rocks and dips and dives that it takes to get where the fish really like to be. So... It's about 3,000 feet deep when we go out there to the fish, and then we go long lining. So we have a big, long rope, and there's hooks every three feet. We pay uh, baiters to be fish about 10,000 to 15,000 hooks in one set, about three miles long. So baiters will bait every single hook and coil it away and put it away all nicely for us to fish. But we'll uh, set an anchor down, we'll lay it all on the bottom, and we'll try our best to hit spots that we've been fishing before and spots that we will think will be productive. And sometimes it doesn't lay flat along the bottom. It'll stretch across canyons and... um, Um, Sometimes things break down and stuff happens. There's so many different variables, but hopefully if all goes well in a one 24-hour trip, we can get the catch we're looking for. So we're fishing on a 36-foot old lobster boat. It's about 10 feet wide, and uh, it's a real good sturdy boat. It gets us there and back if nothing breaks down. You can see the circular white part in the middle. That's what it's called a hauler. It hauls our rope up from the bottom. It takes about 10 hours to pull the whole set up and to see what's on the line. So we catch things. Uh, This is called a thorny head. These fish all live in the bottom of the ocean in complete darkness. So um, they have spikes all over their heads and really tough to handle. And the main catch we're going for is black cod. They're a crazy looking fish. That's a really big one. But uh, uh, these guys will uh, range in sizes from 3 pounds to 20 pounds in size. But when we're out there, there is just so much beauty surrounding all of us in the middle of a working. This is a sunfish that I saw off the side of the boat. They'll come up to the surface and let the birds pick off all the little bugs and parasites that are bugging them. Speaking of birds, there's albatross birds out there. They're, uh, they only live out in the ocean. They come to shore just to have their babies. But this is a really rare sight, a white albatross. They have very pretty uh, eye shadows, you can see. Um, <laughs> their uh, feathers are just absolutely gorgeous, and their wingspans are just enormous. Um, also, you get to see some pretty amazing sights uh, from mammals. This is a huge pod of dolphins coming around the boat. It's got to be at least 100 strong. And it's, I don't know if you ever had a chance to see a Planet Earth movie, but they show just all these pods of dolphins and seals and whales all going after the bait together. And it is just absolutely 
gorgeous and beautiful to place to be working, but a very dynamic, fluid place that anything can happen at any time, anything can go wrong, but a lot of stuff can go right at the same time. So um, it's really been an amazing experience to see all these things out there and to be able to go out there and have the ability to do it, but not everybody is skilled. Not everybody is on the same par as a fisherman that I was very lucky to be able to get in there and get the job done and be apparently pretty good at it, but uh, some people still have a, a lot of to learn as they're out there fishing. This is uh, salmon fishing, decided to take the boys, me and the captain, and George came along to you see him in the corner. They were not so happy, but uh, as they grow older, we know that they will continue to uh, get better at fishing, but the hope is that you get a good catch. We could fill all these totes up with fish and get about 2,000 pounds of fish in one catch. Um, and it, uh, it is, can't tell you the joy that it brings to, uh, to have a big catch, bring in a big load, to know that everything is going to be all right. So um, that's there. So, um, But anyway, I would like us to churn. So Jesus used a lot of fishing when he, uh, it's of course some of the disciples of fishing were fishermen. So let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 5, where we pick up this story. This is after Jesus was baptized and uh, he went into the wilderness and then he came after the experience in the wilderness and tempted in the wilderness. He went back to his hometown and on the way he was preaching the gospel, healing people. Rejected, rejected by his hometown. And, um, and then he came, went about healing and went about all of Galilee. And then we're here in chapter 5, verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Genesaret. I think it's really amazing that Jesus is already attracting people to him to come meet him down on this lake to listen to his words so much so they're trying to press in closer so they can not miss every single word that Jesus is talking about. And he goes in verse 2, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the... but the fishermen had gone from, their, from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of their boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put it a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. I think it's really amazing that Simon's sitting there on the shore. Um, we'll find out a little uh, from a long day of fishing and some... Uh, uh, I don't think he knew it was a stranger. It wasn't a stranger to Simon. He probably heard about Jesus talking, heard about Jesus teaching, and was kind of curious about who this guy was and who he, what, what he was all about. And then when Jesus was done uh, doing his uh, speaking there on verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. For a catch, I'm like, there's a one ongoing joke when you're going fishing. It's not called catching. It's called fishing. The catching doesn't happen until after the fact when they're, basically, you can't count that money or the fish until it's on the truck driving away. <laughs> and then sometimes the buyers will even, even uh, make it a little bit tougher for you. But, but to, for him to say for a catch, it was like, wait, hold on a second. Verse 5 
But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. I can't explain to you how stressful and how tough it is to be out there. When you're fishing, it doesn't, is, is just as hard as when you're fishing and catching fish and if you're fishing and not catching fish. It's just the same amount of work. There's still the boat that still needs to be clean. There's still all the stu- same stuff needs to happen for when you're catching fish or not catching fish. So I can imagine going out for a whole night of fishing, pulling gear for 10 hours and zero fish, and the captain turns to me and says, let's go back out and do that again. I'd be like, no way. You're no, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm like limited sleep. Not going to happen. But um, I think uh, Simon was really, um, was really just in a desperate need. Um, he was already hearing about this ma- the teacher. So he replies, Master, we have toiled all night long and caught nothing. So he's already regarding him as somebody with importance. Nevertheless, at your word... I will let down the net at your word. He took, I'm not sure I'm on both sides if he's like taking him at faithfully at his word or if he's calling him out. He's like, this is at your word. I've been doing this all night and let's see what happens now. This is your word. Let's see if the fish are going to get caught because I am a fisherman. And I've been doing this a long time. I know nothing's going to happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about if it was an arrogant statement or not. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Man, I don't know. I mean, I know I've been, uh, to show you an example, I've been fishing for a really long time. We do sport fishing. My son has been out fishing with me. And when you catch a fish, it is so much excitement and joy and just chaos. We're yelling at each other, get the fish over here, try to, you know, you got it a little bit on a hook, it could fall off, it could go back in the water, so, you know, get the net, get the hook, pull it up, like, that was my job on the boat, was to have the net, the ready, and if I missed the fish, and, and it got back in the water, it was just trying as much as you can to bring that fish and land it in that boat. So I'm sure it wasn't just a simple signaling. It was probably a huge gestures and yelling for people to come over and help them with this amazing catch that just took place. So verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He realized something at that point. All he's been hearing about Jesus and all his teachings and maybe even his fellow workers on that boat were telling him that this is the man we all have been waiting for. And he came in contact with something that he knew was amazing, and he realized how unworthy he was to be in his presence. Verse 9, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which were taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. He was afraid. Simon was right, came to him right as he was. A, a, a 
desperate man, a sinful man that needed healing. The man that went out on the water and just tried to make his own income. And Jesus' kid said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. They came in contact with something that was bigger than they were, something that was amazing. So they couldn't even explain um, how big of a catch that, that could have changed their lives. And they've been fishing for so long, and they know the probability of that taking place was just would never happen without amazing miracle. So we've been um, standing here at this ship for about 50 years now. We're getting close to 50 years. This ship has been operating and running here at Templeton Hills. And it's been an amazing blessing. We've been here for about five years. And it really has been amazing five years for us. But in the decades that has been this church since its conception, there's been numbers of things and people that have gone through here. I'd like to say deckhands that have gone through here that have been drawing men and women into a loving relationship with the Savior. We have our school right up here in the back. You can see the same red building. The countless numbers of kids that have gone through there that received a Christian education um, in this church building, too, the seminars, the Bible studies, the people that put all that on um, and all that together has not only been a blessing for me and my wife to get in closer contact to, with Jesus, but for all of you and everybody that has walked through these doors. Um, we've done uh, different events here, too, like the Hope Clinics and serving people that are in need and just coming at to, to them at their knees, needs with dental care for free, um, eyeglass, uh, physical therapy, um, a lot of different other aspects to the Hope Clinic. But it was just amazing to see how this church and this facility has been continuing to draw people to Jesus. Um, a lot of other things have been taking place through this church, too, like vacation Bible schools. Um, a lot of community people come up here to have their kids um, uh, maybe get some time off from their kids, but they know they get to uh, understand Jesus in a special way. Um, I wasn't around for Pathfinders, but I knew Pathfinders was a big deal before my time um, of, of getting outside, enjoying nature. Um, all the work bees, you know, when I first started coming here, that was a huge thing for me is seeing all you guys work together and do amazing things of maintaining, taking care of the property, uh, uh, cutting down trees that need to be removed. Um, and of course, also the ministry that God has led me to here through this farm, uh, through this church is the farm. The farm has been going for two years, and it's been uh, it's basically in this brown patch field right there. It's all uh, growing wonderful produce now, and just uh, really drawing people up to this area. And uh, whether they like it or not, it is a blessing that God has set that up there for them to enjoy. So I just continue to think about you know, what we've already done up here, what has taken place with this property, and what we can do as a church, as a people that can come together uh, for one sake only, is to draw people to Jesus. 
So um, the ship has been, like I said, going for almost 50 years, and uh, it is in need of a repair, of renewal, of trying a new way to draw people in to keep this updated and, and up to speed. So it would really be amazing to see um, us get together and maybe start having an idea about what to do with the grounds. The grounds have been slowly been in disrepair and slowly um, plants not uh, over the years not being taken care of. So we've been starting to pull them out. But to really make this place an area where people want to come spend time, we have neighbors all the time. There's at least... I don't know, a dozen people every single day that walk this area, that walk the pathways that we've put in on the edges. We have a pathway over here. We just finished a new pathway up by the school. So people love to come walk around this area and get exercise. So I'd love to maybe seek an opportunity to capitalize on that. To be able, we this church owns about 13 acres altogether. You can see the trees all on the Crete side. Uh, from, so from the school all the way down to the church here, they, uh, the church owns across the other side of the creek. So uh, it would be amazing to see an opportunity to be able to clean that creek out, to put in more DG pathways, benches, um, picnic benches, and something, so a place that people would want to come to relax, to have peace, to gather. Um, also, an- another idea would be... Um, an outdoor fellowship hall. We already have a wonderful fellowship and hall, you know, hall out here in, inside. But um, all of last year, unfortunately, we weren't able to use it. And even last year, we probably wouldn't have been able to use the outdoor fellowship hall either. But I don't know the specifics of that. But it would be really neat to see something at the, maybe at the end of this parking lot where we had a roof cover structure with picnic benches all set up, an outdoor cook area. So we'd be able to facilitate events or corn roasts or um, feeding people in need or um, whatever that gathering place would entail. So um, just a lot of different ideas for what this property and what we already have and what we can use um, to do, too. And a lot of upgrades have already taken place, and I'm really thankful for uh, Jerry Shepard. She's been spearheading getting this sign going, been really wanting getting this sign. And, and I don't know if you guys were here for the first pitch, but it was like, wow, that's, that's a lot of money. You know, we're talking like a big, a big uh, ex- expense that maybe we shouldn't be spending that. And I wasn't full, honestly, not fully on board because of the expense, you know, me and a lot of, I mean, I like to pinch pennies, you know, and <laughs> try to just get stuff done for the bare minimum. Um, but, you know, I think this sign would make a big impression out here. So as we continue to talk about it, I tried to make bids to like make something cheaper. And, and I really wanted to make it work because I knew we needed one, but it, it might have been a little too much. But it's just amazing to see when we step out in faith that God comes in amazing ways. Craig Lane is a gentleman that I understand that used to go to this church. He's been uh, involved with a lot of the kids that grew up here, and he owns a masonry business. And they talked to him about getting a bid, and uh, eventually uh, the Lord impressed on his heart, I believe, to donate the um, building, the whole foundation for the sign. I mean, I think it's a, probably a close to a twelve dollars to $15,000 job that he's just going to do for us. And this amazing blessing that uh, 
um, that he's willing to do that and that Lord's just drawing people into this area. And that's just a, a little start to what can continue to happen up here. Another thing, too, later, earlier, these, uh, a couple, two weeks ago, our wonderful uh, sister, uh, Lynn, unfortunately, she got into a car accident. And she uh, was coming out of her house, pulled out into where a bunch of cars are blocking the visual, and a car came and clipped her right in the, no, uh, the hood of the car, and the car rolled over. Thankfully, nobody was hurt, but some cars got damaged along the way, and poor Lynn was out of a car that she desperately needed to get to work. You know, we all need these things. And me with my family, and I have my way, have my fair share of car trouble. You can ask all the rickety cars I put my wife into and barely keeping them going. Um, <laughs> they are, they're really difficult and um, hard to deal with. So I was praying for Lynn. I was seeking something to, that would happen um, to make it work out. But they basically, her 07 Camry, um, they took it to the tow yard. They wanted to charge her, you know, for the tow and the storage. It was like over 600 bucks already. And they wanted to just, hey, you give us the car and then we'll just clear the debt. I'm like, 600 bucks for a 07 Camry? I'm like, that is, hold on a second. I'm going to go talk to these people. So we went over there. Me and George went and looked at it and we looked at the parts that needed to be fixed calculated, like kind of uh, giving a ref ball estimate. I'm like, man, after we pay these people to get it out and we pay for the parts and then all the time we're looking at three or $4,000 and, and just to get this car going back on the road. And who knows if it's going to be hundred percent. So me and George pronounced the car dead <laughs> there at the lot. And uh, poor Lynn was just devastated as I would, you know, and what's going to happen, what is going to be done, and um, it was just, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't know what to say, but just let's pray, let's just pray about it, I don't know what to do at this time, but we, we prayed right there, we asked for peace and understanding, and we know, Lord, you're going to do something amazing out of this, so, um, and it was just, it's just interesting in our walks, and, and when we go out to help people, it seems like that's when we're the busiest. <laughs> I was in between doing side jobs and working here, and Lynn was just like, you're too busy to do this. And I'm like, I know, but I want to do it. I want to get out there <laughs> and make it happen because Lord's showed up for me in amazing ways, and I know he's going to show up for all of you guys when we just show up and do something for him. So, yeah, even fishing all night doesn't matter. It just, you show up for people and amazing things happen. So, after we uh, condemned the car deceased, uh, we, I went to my side job with a gentleman of mine, Bill, and um, I was putting this roofing up. We we're working together, and I told him this story about Lynn's car. He's like, oh, that's interesting because somebody just yesterday from my church told me if anybody needs an 05 Toyota Corolla, about the same amount of miles that she had on her Camry. And he's like, I really don't want, he doesn't want much for it, just $2,000. And I'm like, whoa, praise God. That was really quick. So I, I'm like, I got to call somebody. So I got on the phone and called in. I'm like, hey, we already found you a car like an hour later. Like, what? So um, it's just amazing how God could work. It just, sometimes he's not as quick as we expect him to be. And sometimes he is really quick. And got Lynn that car. I went and looked at it. The people were great. They're holding it for her. And Lynn's going to be back in a car 
which is absolutely a huge blessing. But that, that story really helps uh, beforehand. We've already been talking about and thinking about how much of a blessing it would be to have a mechanic's shop up here. I know some churches have had that before, but we already have equipment up here, a few tools, but it'll be really uh, interesting to maybe start up another ministry. If I know there's uh, been inquiries about people that are already mechanically inclined that would be wanting to help out to train people. We got Wade is about ready to start flipping cars already. He's pulling motors apart. And uh, man, that guy is awesome. And we can start doing it for people in the community. So uh, one idea is a mechanic shop we could put up there loaded with tools and all the stuff we need to be able to fix people's cars, fix uh, anybody in the church members' cars, or even purchase used cars with the blown head gasket fix it, and give it to families and people in need. So um, another uh, really cool story, too, we've been doing these farm Bible studies every Thursday nights, and a wonderful lady named Aurora, she has been working here in this county, um, working at a home, running homeless shelters. She's starting another one in Santa Maria. She's just a woman that's on fire for Jesus, and she's on fire for helping the homeless community. She goes up to the riverbed, and she helps those people that are being uh, uh, evicted out of the riverbed with mental illness, and she goes out every Wednesday and Saturday mornings to pass out burritos and water. So it's such amazing to hear her testimonies on and on. Another, uh, she just mentioned about a guy on Thursday, um, uh, a gentleman named Nick, that he would always come up and grab a burrito and a water and then scurry off, and never, they never got a chance to talk to him. But uh, one day, he, she approached him and said, have you, what, where are you at, Nick, on this whole God thing? And Nick's like, well, I believe in God. And they start talking about it. And he's like, well, but I lost my Bible a week ago. And she's like, well, that's, uh, that's great. I have a bunch of Bibles in my car. Come on up. Uh, grab a Bible. And the guy was just super excited to be able to have a Bible, to have another connection with Jesus again. And uh, the next time she went out, he came up to her and he asked Aurora, I'm, I'm ready to be out. Can you help me? I need help. Which is amazing for them to just, that's the first step for these people, is to say, I want out. Can you please help me? Um, and God's asking not to be afraid, and he's here to take us up in our lowest points in life. So I just think that's another, uh, uh, another program that other churches are doing. Aurora is just super excited about what's happening here at the farm. She comes up and gets produce all the time. All the leftover produce she feeds to her animals, her, uh, actually her pigs. So, um, which is really great. I love that. I mean, the animals are getting it, but I was mowing one time out here and she came over here. I wanted to thank you so much for giving our pigs all this leftovers. I brought you a big old ham. And I'm like, I, I was running out of the courtyard like a football player, like playing to sneak around or something. <laughs> Cause I didn't explain it. I just thought it was just really a huge, it was so nice of her to give us that. And then um, I, uh, I have a friend of mine that's really into eating that stuff. So, I, <laughs> we, um, but anyway, the, she started saying, "Well, I could raise one for the church." 
and we can bring it to the church. I'm like, whoa, okay, okay. I gotta, I gotta explain something to you really quick. Just give me a second here. But uh, she was super understanding. I told her I was really blessed to get that big old ham, and it went to a good home. So, <laughs> so um, you gotta watch out for her. She might give you some pork chops if you uh, give her some stuff. So, <laughs> but she is just loving, wonderful person. Somebody that we can partner with in the community, partner with churches, and just to be known that, that we're on fire for Jesus too, and we want to help people in an amazing way. Um, that's kind of what the farm's already been doing. The farm has been a way to draw people up um, and not asking anything from them, just to come up and enjoy and be happy. We were approached by a um, gentleman named Paul. He's with the county veterans uh, outreach committee, so he's on the county board. And he came up and met me and Steve, and he's like, this is amazing what you guys are doing up here. We've been looking for something for veterans in the North County. We have a lot of uh, of veterans with food insecurity, a lot of funding to help them with that. We've been giving out uh, gift cards to Vons and other grocery stores, but this seems like to me to be a means to no end. He said it would be really amazing to have an opportunity for these veterans to come up here and spend time together, to communicate, to build relationships, to learn how to grow food, get healthy produce, and spend time together and really get these hardened veterans to open up. And he's like, would you be interested? I'm like, Paul, yeah, of course. This is amazing that you're coming to us. And he took pictures. He's like, I'm going to bring this up to the county during the meeting this next week. And it's just amazing the way that God's opening doors and the little I could have ever known the way God is going to do with that farm and with all these other ministries that I'm bringing up, you can do, continue to pour out more and more blessings the more and more we just show up for God, and he's going to show up in an amazing, amazing way. It really brings me to a verse that Zach shared last week in Romans chapter 12, 18 through 21. Okay, I should probably just read from the screen. Verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. And personally, when I see fire, I like to sometimes replace it with love. Because God's love is an everlasting fire that burns all the wickedness out of our lives, out of the world's lives, and is going to make all things beautiful and new. So let's get together. And I just thought it was an amazing testimony about um, the, the, uh, the, the honey harvest and blueberry pancakes that happened on August 1st. I don't know if you guys had a chance to be here. 
but it was borderline out of hand. <laughs> there were so many people, we could barely like talk to everybody to like facilitate things. Steve was in the kitchen with his one little griddle and with a bunch of eyes staring at him. He's got like four pancakes at a time. And they're just like, uh, like, you know. <laughs> so we got in there. Thank you so much for Debbie and uh, Miss Collins. They were in there trying to help facilitate more pancakes. We found more griddles, got griddles rocking, got the pancakes going. And then I turned to our uh, beekeeper, Mike uh, Lewis, which he donated the bees, donates the honey, donates his time, and comes up here and extracts the honey and um, um, just trades for produce. But he was like crowded by people like, is it time for the honey? Is it time for the honey? Is it time for the So we got in there and started, uh, uh, helped him out, started pumping honey out. Sabrina was up there by herself which was a huge blessing, and Janet and Leah and everybody that was up there at the farm. I don't know who was all up there, but we all came together and just brought it all in and made it work. And it was just a huge opportunity to meet people, to talk with people. And I think it was a little bit of an opportunity lost. I think if we promote this more and get people, uh, more church members there. We've could have uh, met more people, could have talked to more people, but God knew what was going on there. So um, it was just an amazing way to just, uh, and, and when Sabrina was, um, uh, was talking to one of the people that come up there, they asked her why, you know, why are you guys doing this? What's the point? What's going on? And Sabrina's like, well, we just want to, you know, give people a place to come, give people produce. And then Sabrina's like, and Janet chirped up and was like, we just want to love people. That's something I brought up the Sabbath before. Like, like just go out and just love people. So um, that's what brings us back to this uh, text. For in doing so, you'll heap coals of love on their heads. So in doing the farm, for showing up for Bible studies, for um, facilitating different outreaches, for ministry, yes, yes, it's difficult. Yes, it takes a lot of time. It's, you seem like you're going to not do good, you're, uh, especially during Bible studies. I've been uh, getting more and more uh, better at doing these Bible studies and doing these talks, but um, it's just all about showing up. It's all about going there and, and doing, trusting that God's going to do something amazing just by your, your little action of just trying, trying to do something. So I was really uh, going through and just, I thought this quote um, from Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings from Ellen White was just perfect for this. Where the treasure is... There, the heart will be. In every effort to benefit others, we benefit ourselves. He who gives money or time for spreading the gospel enlists his own interests and prayers for the work and for the souls to be reached through it. His affections go out to others, and he is stimulated to greater devotion to God that he may be enabled to do them the greatest good. You know, I can't begin to tell you how this has changed my life, how this has changed my wife's life, and especially I could see it changing my kids' lives. We're here almost seven days a week. We work a lot, but we smile every day. We have a great time together, even in the 100-degree heat. 
Um, there's always joy to be had. It's, yes, the journey is hard, the road is long, but the reward and the catch is good. So I want you guys to go home and ask God to see what we can do here as a church family. I also wanted to make an appeal to myself and my family and all of us. I wanted to, the first thing that we need to start by asking is what the Lord wants us to do up here. Um, and the first place to start is prayer. And praying together, I think, is a very powerful thing. And it's probably been about a year since I've been to prayer meeting. And I know why, because I have kids from seven to eight. It's a little difficult, and I can make these excuses just like I can with a lot of other things I do. <laughs> but um, this Wednesday, I'm showing up for prayer meeting. I'm going to be there. Me and my wife are going to be there. Our kids will be there. Um, we're going to work on having um, child care available. Um, so please, come. Let's, let's pray together. Let's ask the Lord what we can do for our community. Because in doing so, we'll heap coals of love on the people around. Thank you, guys. And enjoy. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I don't know how this all is supposed to work. I don't know how it's gotten this far. But, Lord, I just want to acknowledge that you led us this whole way, this church, this property. It's been your will, Lord. I'd ask that you would continue to let this place continue to the end, to be a blessing in this community, and to just really just be a lamp that shines on a hill. I ask you to continue to bless the Sabbath. We just pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen.